our prayer is that uh, you would make it uh, an, an investment to be here. Uh, you've heard this before. No investment, no return. Good investment, good return. Great investment, great return. I'm not talking about the stock market that is doing great, by the way. But this is an investment, and so we're, we're glad that you're here. Let me tee up tonight uh, by, by saying this. You are here tonight for a reason. Some of you know what that reason is. If that reason was nothing else but I have got to get out of this house, okay, that was a reason. Some of you, the reason for why you came tonight was, man, we get to eat some food. And next week, we're having ribs. And so you're like, that's the reason to come back. Uh, for others, uh, you, you, the reason why you came is because someone bribed you. And they said, if you come tonight, I'll take you out for wings or I'll, I'll do this for you. For others, the reason why you're here tonight is for spiritual food. We've had some physical food but you have been a part of this and you've grown and you've learned. And you have walked away and you've been able to kind of take it to heart and you've also been able to share it and give it away. And so some of the reason why you're here tonight is because of the spiritual food that we offer. And then there are some of you here that you're not quite sure why you're here yet. You don't know really the reason is. And, and my prayer is this, that over the next 11 weeks that you would with pinpoint accuracy understand and know the reason why you're supposed to be here. And whether it's tonight or it's week five or it's week eight or it's week 11, it's somewhere at some time you'll say, I know why I'm supposed to be here. And you have that reason for coming. So let's, uh, let's start by saying this. Maybe you're not a public speaker. And the thought of you getting up in front of a group of guys, whether it be five or 500, strikes a chord of fear in your heart. And you start to sweat and your heart rate goes up. Because that is not you. Maybe you are not a public speaker. And the thought of doing that, you think there is no way. That is not how you are geared. Maybe you are not good with your hands. And to fix something around the house... You just laugh. The electrical work that needs to be done in your house, the painting that needs to be done, the plumbing issue that needs to be done, if you start that project, there will be more work to be done because you will make problems for yourself. You are not a fix-it kind of person. How many, am I speaking to some of you here? If, if Butch Persley was here, he would raise his hand, okay? He sees a line in the yard and he cuts it. It's a cable line, okay? Uh, so uh, some of us are like, I'm not a fix-it kind of guy. Maybe you're not a guy who is into languages or the sciences or the math. Uh, your mind does not work like that. Maybe you're not a finance guy in here. And you don't know anything about the stock market. You don't have a, uh, you don't have a, a stock market uh, uh, portfolio. Uh, it's hard for you to even balance your checkbook. And you think, that's just not who I am. But all of us in here tonight, all of us, have an opportunity to be an agent of encouragement to those around us. 
at some time, somewhere, for the right reasons. All of us have an opportunity. And when I mean all, I mean how many? All. All of us. Whether you are young or whether you are old, we all have an opportunity in here tonight to be an agent of encouragement in a world of despair. And do we see despair in our world? You better believe it. All of us have that opportunity tonight. Um, according to a Harvard study, and I think many of you uh, have heard this before, and we'll bring it up here on the, on the thing. According to a Harvard study, the average person ideally needs six positive pieces of feedback, encouragement, praise, affirmation for every negative received. Six. Six positive feedbacks for every negative comment that they have received. Uh, this series that we are doing is called Uplift. We are doing it for five weeks. Then we're switching gears, and for the next six weeks, we will be doing something called Twists and Turns in the Life of Joseph. When you came in tonight, there was a little sheet there that a lot of you took. I placed some more back there. Bring a friend next week. Tell them we're having ribs, you know, uh, and uh, uh, bring them in. And uh, so you can grab those on the way, on the way out. But uh, five weeks on this whole aspect of uplifting or encouraging one another. Why? Because people in our world are down. They are down and out. They are downcast. Uh, people are down in the dumps putting others down, downtrodden, people in general are downers. But to uplift, to encourage. There is not a guy in here tonight that doesn't enjoy being encouraged. And if you, if you don't like to be encouraged, there's something wrong with you. If you came in and you're like, I don't need any encouragement, I don't need uplifted, as a matter of fact, discourage me, please. You know, all of us here, there's something that happens when we encourage someone and there's something that happens when someone encourages us. It changes us. What does this word encouragement mean? Well, you see it on the slide here. It means a number of things. To motivate. To motivate somebody to do something or think in a way that changes them for the better. To stimulate, to stimulate somebody out of their um, complacency or their, uh, their stupor that they're in. To spur on, to bring courage. That's what the word encouragement really means, to bring courage in the life of somebody else. To cheer on, to bring comfort. We've had a lot of um, deaths going on in the last week or so here at Maranatha. And uh, I cannot think of a better time for us to be agents of encouragement when we know somebody has passed away, that we would rally around that family. To affirm, to build up, to bring support, to provide hope for a, a healthy attitude or outcome. This 
word, uplift, or encouragement, uh, the Bible is so rich in helping us to understand that. Now, un until this series came out, many of us do not wake up in the morning and think, who can I encourage? How many of you thought that when you woke up this morning? Who can I encourage? What did you think about when you got up this morning? Coffee. Coffee. <laughs> the day ahead. Uh, I'm glad that tomorrow is Friday. Uh, plans that are going on. You look at your calendar. You look at your emails. You see all that's going on. And the last thing on our mind as we shuffle to the bathroom is I am looking forward to encouraging somebody today. It's usually not on our radar. And yet the Bible speaks so strongly of the importance and the impact that encouragement can make on all of us sitting in here tonight. Some great verses that really stand out in this. Proverbs 25, 11, where it says, a word aptly. Now, I can't tell you the last time I used the word aptly, okay? So I had to just go back and say, what does this mean? A word aptly or appropriately or uh, timely. That you say something at the appropriate time, uh, it's timely. Everybody, anybody ever say something to you that you think, that is exactly where I am. That's exactly where I am. A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Think about that. Apples of what? Gold in a setting of silver. It stands out. So a word that is aptly or appropriate or timely sets itself and contrasts itself from everyone else. A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Proverbs 10, 11, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. So when you woke up today, and you didn't really think much about encouraging anyone, was your mouth that of a fountain of life? And I'm going to challenge you over the next five weeks. Are people on your radar? Everyone in here. That we would be an encourager. And we'll help you to understand why. Uh, Proverbs 15, 4. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. There is a way that speaks to people. There is a way that we can speak and act in the lives of someone else that will lift their spirits and refresh their soul. Raise a hand. How many of you have had somebody in your life that has said to you the right thing at the right time for all the right reasons? Maybe you don't necessarily remember all of that, but you'll know. You'll know. And it refreshed your soul. You needed to hear it at just that right time. Now, how many of you have ever been on the receiving end of encouragement? Yeah. I think all of us have. Uh, where maybe it was a coach at one time that encouraged you, a spouse that encouraged you, a friend that encourages you and lifts you up. Uh, maybe it's your son or your daughter as they get older. They say something to you that encourages you. I love being on the receiving end of encouragement. 
And again, I don't think anybody's in here tonight that would say, ah, I don't like to be on the receiving end of encouragement. I think we all enjoy that. How many of you have been on the giving end of encouragement? Some of you are like, I'm not sure. I'm certainly into the receiving end, but how much of the giving end of encouragement that I'm able to encourage my children, you're able to encourage your grandchildren, uh, you're able to encourage your spouse, a friend, uh, someone mentoring you. Um, so while I have been speaking, all of you have been doing something without giving it any thought. And what is that? You're breathing. You didn't have to set an alarm. You didn't have to get a text. No one had to email you and say, it's time to breathe. No one had to nudge you and say, breathe, breathe, breathe. You did it because it's what? It's natural. You don't even think about it. You don't even realize that you're breathing. It just is something we don't even think about. And the same can be said when it comes to encouragement and being an agent of encouragement. It should be something that we are doing without even realizing it. And the problem is that if we're to be encouraging people, or maybe I should say it this way, um, there are not a lot of people that are encouragers today. And when we are told to be an agent of encouragement and we finally do it, it often feels what? Tell me. It feels awkward. It feels strange. Women are really good at encouraging each other. Have you noticed that? They can come into a room and within 10 minutes, they are sharing, they are encouraging. But guys, Mike and I were talking, about it, guys are like, hey, I'm good. I don't need touchy-feely. I don't need that. That's, you know, if we're sitting at a table and our elbows touch, whoa. Whoa. Uh, so I don't know if I really need that kind of encouragement. And yet, if we're all honest with ourselves, there are times when we receive that encouragement, we needed that. And maybe we didn't tell anybody, but we needed that. And when we finally are able to say something in such a way or do something in such a way or have an attitude in such a way that will encourage someone, the more we do it like breathing, the easier it becomes. But we're just not used to that as men. We're not used to encouraging one another. How do I know that? What do, you do, what do you say to somebody who's laying in a hospital bed and they're dying? And you're there to be a encouragement, an encourager. Someone has just lost their spouse and you try to be an encourager. It feels different. It feels awkward. It feels foreign to us. Um, I want to give you tonight three ways that we can be an agent of encouragement in a world of despair. And our, the model that we're going to look at just for tonight is the Apostle Paul and how he was a major source of encouragement to the people of Thessalonica. Now, uh, I think most of us here have a little bit of understanding of the Apostle Paul. Uh, he went on one, two, three missionary journeys. You say, well, where did he go? In the back of most of your Bibles is a map and it will usually show you 
Paul's first, second, and third missionary journeys. It is the second missionary journey that Paul took that he was in uh, Asia Minor, uh, modern-day Turkey. Uh, he was traveling through Greece. He was going to places like Macedonia, Corinth, Ephesus, Philippi, and all of a sudden he comes into this metropolis city at that time, about 200,000 people under the rule and reign of the Roman Empire. He comes into this city called Thessalonica. And he walks into a Jewish synagogue because that's where people were at. And he begins to share with them about Christ the risen Savior, the one that can change your world and transform your life forever. And he begins to share with these people, and the very first time he goes in, people are very suspicious. They wonder, what is this guy doing here? What is he sharing? And so they're just kind of taken back, and they're suspicious of what is going on. 200,000 people in this city. Uh, Thessalonica was one of those crossroads right on a port that there would be people coming and going. Different cultures, different language, different beliefs. And many of the people in Thessalonica had turned to worshiping idols, the Roman and Greek gods of the day. So it was a pretty much a pagan area. And yet Paul finds himself traveling there and he walks into a synagogue, and he begins to share about the one true God, Jesus Christ. He goes back the next day. People are there again. People are listening. And he's there for several months. And all of a sudden, people start to believe. They begin to receive Christ. They begin to see the importance of having a relationship with Jesus Christ who forgave them of their sins so that they can have eternal life. And people begin to respond. And what happened was when Paul walked into the synagogue at one time, the very first time, he was not friends with them. But as they came to know Christ, there was a, a connecting, a joining together, a fellowship that they had with one another because of Jesus Christ. And one of the things that Paul said was, I want to tell you about Christ, the living king. He is a king that is above all other kings. The moment he says this, there's someone in Rome named Caesar that gets wind of this and says, wait a second, this guy, the apostle Paul, is saying that there is a king greater than me? Then Caesar, and all of a sudden, he had his authorities come in, and persecution breaks out. And it is so intense that Paul and his colleagues uh, have to and are driven out of the city. And so when Paul writes this letter, 1 Thessalonians, he, months later, after he has been driven out of the city, sits down and writes a letter to reconnect with these people who he loves and to uplift them and to help them to realize and see you have not been forgotten. Now, we're going to read the first 10 verses of 1 Thessalonians. If you have your Bibles tonight, uh, meet me in 1 Thessalonians 1. And as I read this, I want you to listen and I want you to just imagine for a moment that if we were all in the church of Thessalonica and we feel, we feel the persecution, 
we feel the opposition that's going on. And Paul has left, and we're wondering, what am I to do? And there's a million and one questions that they have. And someone comes in with a letter that the Apostle Paul has written. And it will become a letter that will lift them up and encourage them as a believer in Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 1 to 10. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for you. We're constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, your labor of love, your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake? And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. And for not only, and for, and for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Three things that we see here tonight, three ways that we can right out of the gate be agents of encouragement. How many of us have the opportunity in here to be an agent of encouragement tonight? All of us. So this is not just this side over here and this side here. You guys are encouragers this week. You guys are discouragers this week. It's, it's all of us. Let me, let me share with you from these ten verses how Paul was an agent of encouragement in their life and what we can glean from that. Verses 2 and 3. We give thanks to God always for you. We're constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Express your appreciation. Guys, tonight there are people that we for some reason have withheld expressing our appreciation to them. And maybe they've come to your mind immediately. Expressing your appreciation. How did Paul express his appreciation to the church of Thessalonica? Hey, I'm thinking of you. I'm praying for you. Uh, you have this incredible faith, your labor of love, your steadfastness in your hope. And they're hearing this, and it is a source of encouragement. He's expressing his appreciation for who they are and for what they have done. I want you to think for a moment. Who can you just express your appreciation to for who they are, for what they've done? Write it down tonight. There's got to be somebody. You don't live in a cave. All of us have an opportunity to be an agent of encouragement and to be able to express our appreciation. How long does that take? 
thanks for being here tonight. What did I just do? Thanks for being here. Love your beard. Yeah, you're welcome. Express your appreciation. Mark Booth, he's the principal at the intermediate school. What an opportunity he has every day to be able to be an encouragement to those kids and express his appreciation for who they are and for what they've done. How many of you are working right now? I don't mean right now, but how many of you are working? Yeah. Someone at work, express your appreciation. What do we often do instead of expressing our appreciation to someone at work? What are we often doing? What? You forgot something. You down them. Uh, we, we become negative. Uh, we tell them what they're doing wrong instead of what they're doing right. Paul here says, I've been thinking about you. I've been praying for you. Uh, you, are, you are an incredible example in the, in the uh, culture of, of Thessalonica. And so he expresses his appreciation for who they are and for what they've done. Now look at verses 4 to 10. And you will see where he verbalizes the confidence that he has in their faith. So that's different than expressing your appreciation. Expressing your appreciation is, hey, thanks for coming in today. I really, I really appreciate it. You, know, you, you, do, you do a great job. Thanks for being a part of the company. But there's something that Paul did that he verbally gave them confidence about their faith in Christ. He says, you know what? You are chosen in the Lord. Look at some of the things. Verse 4, he has chosen you. Drop down to verse 6. You have, become, you have become imitators of us. You have received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. You become an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Archaea. Your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. He, he verbally gives them confidence in their faith. He says you've turned from God, from idols, to serve the living and true God, and you're waiting for the Son's return. When was the last time you gave someone confidence about their faith in Christ. How many of you know of somebody that you've seen them growing in the Lord? And you can just express how you've seen them growing in the Lord. Give them that confidence. Give them that confidence. Um, an affirming pat on the back, a brief comment of appreciation, even a simple little smile can make the difference between a good day and a bad day. Here's another one. Affirm the impact their life has had on you and on others. So tonight as I'm in the line, I love just standing and talking to a lot of you through the line, uh, trying to just uh, say something. Uh, being a source of encouragement, uh, expressing appreciation, uh, verbally giving confidence in, in your faith in Christ, but also affirming the impact that their life has made because not many people are doing it today. Affirming that person for the impact that they have made on your life. How many of you know of somebody that has made an impact on your life? How many of them are still alive? Quite a few. When was the last time you just, a text, a phone call, a letter, you went to go see them, and you affirmed? You affirmed that person for who they are, for what they've done, the impact that they have made in their life. 
So December 13th, 14th, 15th, and 16th, while you were here in Ohio, I was in Guatemala. And I have to tell you, it was 92 degrees while I was there. And I really prayed for you. Um, I struggled in that weather. And uh, I went down for this reason. We saw 100 pastors and church leaders graduate from our Equip Ministries International training. Unbelievable what God is doing. And I had the joy of being able to go down on a Saturday, and it was a huge deal, and they just kept coming in and coming in and coming in. All the chairs were taken. People were standing everywhere, and I was just so encouraged by this. And these are men and women that I have I've been able to just see the, the investment, and I've been able to see the change in their life. And so as they called their name, they went outside. And they didn't know it, but we gave all of them caps and gowns to make this official. And man, they're, they're lined up outside, and you can see them. And they get this huge grin on their face. And every single one of them is going to be receiving a John MacArthur Study Bible in Spanish. And when I would go through with them where uh, John MacArthur's got footnotes and a concordance, and every time I would mention something about how, how they could use that Bible, they would go, ooh, ooh, or they'd clap. They would just clap. I'd say, this has a tremendous amount of footnotes that you guys will need. Oh, gracias, gracias, gracias. Me gusta ocho pera calientes y me casa por favor. And I don't have a clue what they're saying. You know? And uh, when they played that song, da, 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 da. They're coming in, and I am, I am bawling. I'm thinking, pull it together, pull it together. Because these are people that I love. And I want to be an agent of encouragement in their life. And man, when they stood there and we took pictures, there was a joy. And I affirmed. And we say, thank you for the impact that you're making. And they will go back into their village and they will minister to people. And we gave them an incredible shot in the arm and said, we value you. We have not forgotten you. That was a huge blessing that I received and a huge blessing that we were able to give. That's what I'm talking about in being an agent of encouragement. Now, I know you're sitting here and you're saying, but I'll never go to Guatemala. No, you don't have to go to Guatemala to be an agent of encouragement. But you get the opportunity here to do that. If people are shocked when you uplift them, if people are shocked when you encourage them and they look at you as if to say, wow, where did that come from? Then you haven't been doing it enough. Um, encouraging others is in the church, encouraging others outside of the church should be a major priority for us. Because there is a guy sitting in here tonight that is done. Look at me. There's a guy in here tonight that is probably thinking, I'm done. Things are not good at home. Things are not good with my kids. Things are not good at work. And I'm done. And sometimes all they need is one person. 
one word or just a few things to that person can change their life in a very positive way. So it's got to be a priority in our life. Who is on your radar to go and call? Who is on your radar to go and see, to encourage? I'm going to challenge you. I'm just going to give you a little bit of homework. Who is on your radar that as I've been speaking to you right now, you're funneling all of this information down to somebody? Who is on your radar right now that you can go and you can encourage and you can affirm by sunset on Saturday? By sunset. Who is that in your life? So I may have shared this with you before, but um, something very good is happening with my son. I'm so thankful for that because there there's been times when I've wanted to strangle him in Christian love. There's been times when I wanted to send him back to the home type thing. Um, and there's some really good things that are going on with my son. And I think it's just called as he's getting older. He's 20 years old. He'll be 21 here in March. And uh, during the fall, um, he came over and we said, Hey, Jared, um, Grandpa and Grandma are gone and the leaves are falling and all these leaves are getting into the gutters. Hey, when you have an opportunity could you go over to Grandma and Grandpa's and could you get a stepladder and could you take care of all the leaves in the gutter? Here's what, here was his response without even hesitating. Yeah, I can do that. And I wanted, I wanted to say, you are not Jared Peters. That's what I wanted to say. And he goes, yeah, I can, I can do that. And we kind of started talking about other things and about three minutes later I said, I'm sorry to interrupt. But Jared, I, I, I've got to say something to you. We just asked you to go over to Grandma and Grandpa's house and to take care of the leaves in the gutter, and you said, yeah, I can do that. There was no him hawing around about it. There was no, I don't want to do that. You just said I would do it. And I said, Jared, that has ministered to me. Thank you so much. I said, your response has been incredible. And his response back is, well, Dad, I'm not a teenager anymore. He said, I I'm a young adult, man. I, I don't act like a teenager. When you turn 20, you're no longer a teen. Like apples in a setting of gold, that's what I saw. Who's on your radar tonight? Maybe you're not getting along well with your spouse. You say, I'm not going to encourage her. Don't have that attitude. Don't have that attitude. It's, it's cold out. It's cold out. Don't worry about whether or not she's going to encourage you. You make it your plan that God has put on your heart to say something to encourage her. And it doesn't take long. It's just a moment. Hey, you do that really well. My wife made potato soup last night. I love it. And I go, honey, this is absolutely wonderful. You make better potato soup than anyone else I know. It was something that was little, but she went, oh, thank you. Thank you. Things like that matter in being an agent of encouragement. Um, so, uh, great time. Let me give you a couple positive things here. A great time to uplift your kids. How many of young kids in here? How many of grandkids in here? Yeah. A great time to uplift and encourage your kids, young kids, grandkids, is just as they're going to bed. 
It's a great time. Whether you tell them stories of what happened to you when you were young, you encourage them in something that they've done, something that they've said, uh, something that you saw in them. But here's what usually happens. We are wanting to get our kids to bed so quick so that we can run downstairs and see that TV show that we miss the opportunity to be an encouragement in their life. And we can't get that back. So some of you have seen what we're going to put up here, this um, uh, triangle. Uh, we have put many things over the years in that triangle, but it serves as a purpose that if we're to be encouragers, if we're to uplift one another, it does come in three ways. Through our words, through our actions, and through our attitude. Guys, maybe just this week, maybe before sun sets on Saturday, you're an encouragement through your words. Or maybe it's through your actions. Or maybe it's through your attitude. And that you minister to somebody else. And we trust that you will be ministered to as well. People may not remember what you said. They may not remember the stories that you told or what you did for them, but they will never forget how you made them feel. Let me say that again. People may not remember what you said, the stories you told, or what you did for them, but they will never forget how you made them feel. I've shared this story before. I had been asked to go to Malawi, Africa, it was my first time to going to Malawi, Africa. I did not want to go. And I was struggling. And there was uh, some conflict going on between my wife and I at that time. And I'm getting ready to go on a flight. And I'm here the Sunday before I'm to leave. This was way back in the day. And there was a man named Dennis Shawhan that saw me. And I'm walking through the hallway. And instead of just seeing another person in the hallway, he looked at me and he said, you're not right, are you? And I went, no. And I remember he grabbed my arm and pulled me into an ABF room where there was just no one at, and he goes, what's going on? And he took a moment to encourage me and to build me up and prayed with me. I will never, ever forget that. Do I remember what he prayed? No. <laughs> I don't remember what he prayed, but I know how I felt. I know how I felt afterwards. These are simple things, guys. You don't need to be a rocket scientist to be able to be an agent of encouragement. So I have been talking, and now we're going to take a little bit of time. And at your table, we're going to get uh, uh, real close. I know. <laughs> As men, we're getting real close. And we're just going to answer some questions. In your group, uh, we've got them up here. Uh, three questions. Many of us are not good encouragers and fail in lifting up others uh, at the appropriate time because dot, dot, dot. <clears throat> Why is that? Why do we have a hard time encouraging others at the appropriate time? Which is most satisfying, to be on the receiving end of encouragement or to be on the giving end of encouragement and why? And then the last one, share a time when someone deeply encouraged you by what they said or did. So we're going to give you some time to just walk through those together. Make sure everybody shares, if you would. Um, I want to recommend... Uh, uh, no, not necessarily a book, but in 2004, there was a, a book that was written called How Full Is Your Bucket? <coughs> and I read excerpts of this book, and um, it talks about uh, uh, how we can best encourage those uh, on a day-by-day -day basis. 
um, the effects that encouragement and even discouragement uh, has on people throughout the day. And one of the things that's in this book is they call it the, the bucket and the dipper. And uh, they, they share that imagine if we all had a bucket within us that needs to be filled with positive reinforcement, uh, praise, affirmation. And when we receive these things, the bucket gets more full. Um, but when we are negative towards others, we use a dipper to remove from their bucket and it takes away anything positive. Uh, when we treat and speak to others in an uplifting manner, we fill not only their buckets but ours as well. And so just in a practical way, what to remember when filling others' buckets. And these are just things that I think we know but uh, number one, just shine a light on what is right. Shine a light on what is right. We live in a culture right now where we're constantly shining uh, a negative. We're constantly telling somebody that they're doing something wrong. Um, look for it. Actively look for those opportunities to shine the light on what they're doing is right. If you are all into you, you will not do a good job of encouraging others. Because if all you're thinking is yourself, you're not observing and seeing what somebody else is good at or how you can encourage them. So uh, shine a light on what is right. Two, send a note of encouragement. Uh, it can be a text, I don't care, an email, uh, a letter, uh, but just something to affirm and express your appreciation and specifically what that is. I was on a, uh, a trip not too long ago and in the uh, side of my luggage uh, was uh, this letter or this card that my, uh, my wife sent me. And it's always nice to be able to, to get these when you're way out in the bush and, and you zip open your, your luggage and there's a nice card from your wife. And um, uh, she just said some very kind things uh, in here. And I just appreciate it so much. Just praying for you, so proud of you. Uh, you're the sexiest man I've ever seen, things like that. And so um, it was just very, uh, made me want to come home. So, so. Uh, third way, never forget how deeply those around you are hurting. You know, on a Sunday morning, even tonight when you came in, hey, how are you doing? And everybody says fine, and yet we are not always fine. And there are people that are around us, whether it's your workplace, your neighborhood, or church, or wherever, that people are hurting. And what can I say? What can I do? What attitude can I demonstrate to uplift them in their life? And then every day, the fourth one, is a win day with encouragement. Every day. Every day is a win day with encouragement. You cannot go wrong by encouraging somebody. And Jim Creed, years ago, said, it's not about someday. It's about this day. Because all of us will put off encouragement. We'll put it off. Yeah, I know I need to encourage someone. Well, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it someday. If we don't do it today, then we'll put that off and keep putting that off. And it's not a part of our lives. We lost a good man this week. Uh, Jim Frazier went home to be with the Lord. Jim Frazier used to uh, sit back there with Dan Gorley and Byron and other guys back there. I don't know if you knew Jim Frazier. Had this kind of graspy voice, a funny, uh, just, and an encouragement. 
as well. I remember before he started to really struggle in his health, I went over to his house, and we're sitting there, and I went over to be an encouragement to him, and what do you think happened? He became an encouragement to me. And it was one of those times that I got in my car and I thought, Lord, thank you for Jim Frazier's. And so he is with the Lord. And I just wanted, if you know him, I just wanted to uh, uh, remind you, calling hours are next Friday from 4 to 8 at Newcomer Funeral Home. And a lot of us in here know Jim over the years. It would be great if we could go and uh, support Mary Ann through uh, the passing away of Jim Frazier. But uh, just to, don't put off tomorrow what you can do today. I want to end tonight by showing you a very uh, touching video about a father and a son and how the father was a huge encouragement to his son, but his son was so selfish and so into himself, he did not see how his father was an agent of encouragement until it was too late. And so take a look at this. So you have an opportunity to invest in the lives of people. I would just ask that you would think as you leave tonight and ask that the Lord would open up your heart to be an agent of encouragement. We live in a world where people are constantly wanting to knock us down. And yet an agent of encouragement pulls that person up and gives them hope. Who are the people that you can give hope to? Who are the people that you can uplift in your life? Tonight there is someone in here that needs encourage and someone in here who has the ability to give courage. As agents of encouragement, we have the opportunity to lift up someone at some time for the right reason. And maybe... Maybe that's the reason why we were supposed to be here tonight. Is that I can make an impact in the life of someone else. You know who they are. Now we have an opportunity to go. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for these men, each one of us. I trust knows you, has put their trust in you, is following you. And as you have been an encouragement to us, may we be an encouragement to others. That, Lord, we live in a very cold and hopeless world. And yet, through your encouragement, through your word, through what your son Jesus Christ has done, it gives us hope for today and for tomorrow. So, Lord, as you send us out tonight, I pray that this would not just be another Thursday night, but now we have some homework. Who are some people? that I can just encourage in my words, my actions, and my attitude. And Lord, if we can do that, the focal point no longer is on us, but it's on others. And as we do that, our lives are changed. May we strive even this week to fill other people's buckets in a way that highlights you, in a way that gives you glory for your name's sake. Send us out tonight, Lord. Remind us throughout this week of who you are, how you affirm us, how you love us, and in turn, we show that to others. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.